As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week, this week in Geek. This Week in Geek, we cover Gwen Stefani, HBO Max, and new manga releases. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of 2023 of This Week in Geek. My voice just cracked. Oh, well, I thought that was something I'd moved past, but apparently not. Um, how are you doing, Kevin? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, let me just double check what I did on the calendar this week, uh, besides play Super Auto Pets. Um yeah, it's it's been pretty chill. I just been uh, been at work trying to read a couple of manga here and there. Um, I guess one of the highlights is I went to I went to like my local like half price books, my small like local used bookstore, yeah. and I found volume one of of Yu Gi Oh. Oh, like as a manga, the, o- the OG, the OG. And it is it's like hard to find now. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I I found it. I'm a, I'm gonna get it. Uh so yeah, and that, that's pretty cool. Um there there was that and uh also did you read Secret Reverse? Did did you do you know of Secret Reverse? No, I do not. <laughs> okay, so um the guy who made Yu-Gi-Oh! like we we covered it on the show. Um, but he passed away because he, he drowned, he was saving somebody. Um, and he, he himself gave up his own life. Absolute hero. Yeah. And the thing is, Marvel had a comic that he wrote. Um, and they were like, it's too sad to release. We can't do it yet. Um, but now that, uh, Viz Media actually got the rights to it and said like, okay, we have to release this now. So they ended up releasing it. It is once again, it's Iron Man and Spider-Man versus a guy who plays card games. That isn't, it's not Yu-Gi-Oh, but it's card games. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I, I was reading through it. It's pretty quick, but it, it is a cool comic book to have on the shelf because it is still, um, still his artwork. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that was, that was pretty cool. But 
that's yeah pretty much what i did this weekend is like i just walked around grabbed a couple books hung out and yeah uh what about you uh matt how, how's your how's everything going on your end everything's pretty chill here nothing has really happened um did i tell you i beat pokemon because i think i beat pokemon two weeks ago oh nice yeah uh but then nothing else really happened it's just been kind of like oh it's a it's a short week for work because um we came back from no wait no we didn't even come back from the holiday did we come back from the holiday last week i don't even remember no we didn't um so it was just getting to the short week then because today is martin luther king jr day and we had today off for work for me at least i know a lot of people don't but i am one of the lucky ones whose company gives us off this day so, um, yeah, that this has really been it. I haven't done anything. <laughs> I am unfortunately not lucky. I have to go to work after this. So, Ew. yeah, that's going to be fun. Anyway, let's get into this. So quick update from um, from last week's episode. So I did watch the Johnny Harris um, video essay about McDonald's last week, which I've been putting off for about a year or so. Um, so I finally got around to watching it because of the story, uh, and I can I can actually like more informedly talk about the McDonald's stuff than I did last week when I was just rambling. So um, with the um, the Kitsch lawsuit is the reason why um, Johnny Harris started investigating this um, this episode, not this episode, this topic. Uh, and so if you don't remember from last week or you didn't listen to the episode, Kitsch is a company that's creating or created a little device that allows um, McDonald's to put it into their ice cream machine and figure out exactly why their um, th- their machines aren't working. Um, so long story short, the reason why that um, McDonald's machines don't work is because uh, – it's not easy to fix them. So like if you look at other um, other restaurants that have ice cream machines like Wendy's or Burger King or Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out, like Kevin, like you, you really generally you don't have an issue getting ice cream for those places, right? Yeah, usually you could just walk in and they got it. They got it ready. It's got the the, the machine, the machine work. <laughs> right. Like if, if a machine isn't working and it's costing you money, you're not going to keep using that machine, right? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get a new one that actually works. Yeah. So, um, one of the reasons why McDonald's will give that their machine is down is because they need to clean the machine, and that's a four hour process. And that is technically is correct. Um, for a lot of these machines, like a lot of uh, companies will use a, a machine by the company Taylor. The cleaning process does take four hours, but the reason why a lot of these companies don't use that excuse is because what they'll do is when the restaurant is closed overnight, that's when they'll do the cleaning process, not during business hours, because that makes sense, right? Yes. Um, so that's kind of, that's sometimes correct. That's sometimes not. Um, the reason why McDonald's specifically has this issue is because way back in the day, they made an agreement with the Taylor company so that McDonald's will only carry um tailor machines other companies don't i guess don't have this agreement so if the machines don't work properly and they're not up to standard then they're just gonna screw it get a different machine from a different company that works better as one would do um because mcdonald's and taylor have this agreement 
Taylor has no incentive to actually make the machine work or because then at that point they um they just ha they have their licensed um repair people who will come and they'll do it so taylor gets several million dollars a year by servicing every single one of those uh those ice cream machines right so they because they have that monopoly they have no incentive to make these things work because if they keep breaking, then McDonald's keeps getting money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the people who own these, um, the, the, the franchisees who own these uh, machines, like they, they can't just go in and fix it themselves because there's specific codes for why it's working. And these codes aren't included in the owner's manual. They're included in the um, the repair person's manual. So even if you you bought this machine, you have no idea how to fix it yourself or make it work because that's taking money away from Taylor and McDonald's doesn't care because they're not the ones paying for these repairs. It's the franchise owners. So as long as they keep Taylor happy and themselves happy, who, who gives a crap? Right? So that is why McDonald's is, um, they, their machines don't work is because they have no reason to make them want to work. They're keeping their partner happy. Um, I'm not even really sure how much of a, uh, an issue or, or not even an issue, how much money they're really making over McDonald's or ice cream every year, as opposed to their burgers. But like when they came out with that explanation that it takes a four, it's a four hour cleaning process. Like people just kind of accepted it. And it's, it's only partially true because they're not cleaning every time. A lot of the time um, they just, it, it's out of order. They're not working or the cleaning process had to restart because they didn't understand the, um, the error issue or, or whatnot, but it's, be, it's, it's a business decision. It's, it's a partnership that kind of screws over the, uh, what's it called? Um, it screws over the franchisees. It screws over the customers who want ice cream. Um, but McDonald's and Taylor are happy and Taylor's still making money hand over fist. McDonald's co corporate isn't losing money. So that's why you can blame capitalism. Capitalism is the reason why I can't get a McFlurry. Exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> what kind of McFlurry do you get normally? Uh, the Oreo, usually. Okay. It's like it's like a standard. It's a. That, I'm an that's M &M it, that's if I could get it. <laughs> if you can get it, it's, again, it's it's not guaranteed. There's a, apparently there's a website that does all the tracking of like which uh, McDonald's ice cream machines are down at the moment. Um, and again, this, this is it's why like, McDonald's is it down, keeps... but it's only ice cream machines. Oh, you know, it's specifically McDonald's ice cream machines. Cause like, again, other franchises, other restaurants don't have this issue because if their Taylor machine doesn't work, they're under no obligation to stay with Taylor. They can find another, uh, another, um, manufacturer and the, the yeah. machines that McDonald's uses are specific to McDonald's. Like they can't just like repair it like another restaurant would the machines they have are specific to mcdonald's so it perpetuates this never-ending cycle of having to call the specific tailor repair people and just make them a bunch of money which is again why mcdonald's is so against using kitsch because if the franchisees can just use the kitsch to find out what the issue is they don't have to call Taylor; they can repair it themselves or they can find a guy who knows how to repair it they don't need to to make that extra money for somebody else. So, uh, capitalism. All right. So moving to the next one, I, I mentioned earlier, it is a Martin Luther King jr. Day. Um, 
Kevin, have you seen this this statue that's supposed to be commemorating MLK um, in Boston that was unveiled? No, I have not. Okay, watch this video real quick. Okay. What What is that? <laughs> okay, so now that you've seen it and understand the context of it, um, for those of I'll for once, I guess I will actually post to social when I get this up and I will find some photos of this, uh, the statue. But in Boston, there was a statue that was supposed to commemorate Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife, Coretta Scott King. Um, and what it's supposed to represent is, is them hugging each other. Does it look like that, Kevin? No, it, it don't. <laughs> it's supposed to be like their arms, like, because there's, there's a photo of them embracing and it was supposed to like recapture the position of their arms while they're hugging. <laughs> what was it? What does it look like, Kevin? That isn't it, that. Uh, honestly, it, it looked like a pile of arms, but it also do look like uh, <laughs> a Taco Tuesday, if you know what I mean. <laughs> mm. Someone went down south to to eat some tacos, but yeah. also if you look at it at a so if you look at it at one angle, it. It does look like it's supposed to. You look at another angle, it does look like someone is having um, some late night um, taco fun. Um, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of pink slime in that taco. Um, and then on, in another angle, what I've seen is someone described it as it looks like one of, one of Shaq's hookups is, is trying to support his magnum dong with both of their hands. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just... It looks like they're holding a turd also. Like a yeah, big old turd like... with both hands. It feels weird because it don't look like it. It just looked like for me, it was just like a pile of arms, and I'm like, "What does this? What does this have to do with anything?" Like how? No. <sighs> yeah, um, and, and a lot of the comments online are like, "Who is the artist who who did this? And how did you not catch what you were doing? And who are the city council people who saw this, didn't see anything wrong with it, and approved it, and had it made?" Like. Who are you guys, and why are you not fired? It's not a yeah. good statue. Like it's it's it, so hard to get like good public art these days. Yeah, it, it's not. It, it doesn't represent Dr. King in any way, shape, or form. Besides, like trying to come together in this, I guess. But like, it don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. It's a. Uh, it's it's just bad in in every way shape or form that i could think of so that's the that's today's acknowledgement of the great leader martin luther king jr who did a lot and now has been repaid with a pile of arms um so moving forward to some some strange celebrity news um kevin what are your thoughts on gwen stefani uh she made that song with a banana in it uh it was like nah 2000s you know. kids will never forget how to spell that word because yeah we we will never never not know how to spell banana um and, and, and yeah thank thanks glenn that that and she was on the voice that's about that's about it mm-hmm. uh so the reason why she has been in the news this week is because she went on uh, she did an interview article with Allure magazine who and she was trying to promote her new um fragrance co- or makeup line. Um she's trying to promote her new makeup line called um GXVE. Um 
So apparently 14 years ago during her when she released her her album Love Angel Music Baby, apparently she was just very into she's always been according to her very into Japanese culture. Um and she had this whole Harajuku phase which a lot of people are like, "Hey, that was that was a lot of um cultural appropriation. Maybe you shouldn't have done that." And in this interview with GXVE Beauty, Gwen Stefani who is italian american like she is i think she has scottish italian american roots um no japanese whatsoever in her uh her ancestry she said oh my god i'm japanese i really am mm. which is, is is not not at all correct at okay all. She's not yeah yeah go ahead oh go ahead just Quote, because part five of Jojo takes place in Italy, don't make you Japanese. <laughs> Quote, I said, my God, I'm Japanese and I didn't know it. And this is from the article. And as these words seemed to hang in the air between us, she continued, I am, you know, that she then explained that there was an innocence to her relationship with Japanese culture, referring to herself as a super fan. If people are going to criticize me for being a fan of something beautiful and sharing that, then I think that doesn't feel right. I think it was a beautiful time of creativity, a time of ping pong match between Harajuku culture and American culture. It should be okay to be inspired by other cultures because if we're not allowed, then that's dividing people, right? Um, Gwen. Gwen, no, honey. So people are going back and forth on this on the internet. A lot of people are saying she's obviously doesn't mean she's actually Japanese. She's like paying tribute to a culture that she very much respects. Um, for Gwen's part, she says that her fascination with Japanese culture began when her father traveled to and from Japan when he worked for Yamaha for 18 years and worked on their motorcycles. So it's, um, according to her, that was my Japanese influence. And that was a culture that was so rich with tradition and yet so futuristic with so much attention to art and detail and discipline that it was fascinating to me. Um, that's not how that works. I don't think. And then the, the last area of folks are people who are actually, upset that she said this and and are offended um a lot of people are saying that who are who are on her side are saying um like how to, how to put this in a way that's like not stupid they're saying that like if you actually <laughs> talk to japanese people they don't actually care and that's a that's a criticism of american like i guess what people would call pc culture and i hate this term but wokeness is that people are saying and you've seen it ha I, i've seen it happen where some someone will make a comment that's like, "Hey, that's racist," and the people are like, "Actually, I don't care. Um, I am not Japanese, so I can't really. I don't really have as much of an authentic opinion. I I, I think it's stupid. She shouldn't have said it, and I think she shouldn't. She's just an idiot for saying it. But like, I don't know how the Japanese folks feel about it. Kevin, what do you feel about this as as a Japanese American individual? Yeah, uh, I I feel like. It's okay to appreciate the culture, and and I I agree with like trying to at least bring attention to, especially the Harajuku culture. Like that's one that wants to stand out and be there. Like, you know? Harajuku, to be clear, Kevin, it's it's like a fashion culture, right? Is that it? It, or? it is a very fashion heavy culture. There's actually a whole street called Skip Street. Um, if you guys ever do make your way to Tokyo. Um, Skippy Street is kind of like where all of the fashion lives. There's like a whole bunch of like very, very unique shops. It's like very standout neon colors um, and, and very vibrant, which is which really does go against kind of like 
the the typical like business suit stuff that you usually see uh, mm-hmm. in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very loud and fun culture, um, and it, it's cool like when certain people like at least pay respects to it um and like show off that culture which which is okay uh but like you ain't you ain't one of us <laughs> you can you can respect the culture you could like at least bring attention to it but like where unless you take an ancestry report and like show us the 23 and me uh <laughs> or go on mori or something i don't know i, I don't know what the answer is it, it, it's no. got to be a dna test or like a show of like a proof of ye uh, uh we're, we're japanese uh if, if that somehow happens and we're like okay that okay uh we'll, we'll just eat our words and we'll, we'll be okay but mm. honestly like it's cool to bring attention to the culture i think that's that's fine um as long as it's not like i made this this is mine now <laughs> like right I, it's it's not like how I, I think Gordon Ramsay, and I've mentioned this before, how Gordon Ramsay and folks like him approach food where it's like, oh, we've discovered this amazing thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like it, it exists. Right? Yeah, it's like it exists here. If you want to like embrace the culture, go for it. But like, yeah, we can't really, you can't just be like, I'm that now. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the the other half of this though is like, if you do bring up Gwen Stefani and Harajuku culture, the one to bring up next is like Avril Lavigne. She mm. she kind of did it too, where she she had that whole song. I think it was like Kawaii or something like that, where she was talking about like she was in the Harajuku district, like embracing like the culture, but it was very much like I'm trying to be japanese and bridge the gap but it like fell really hard on its face mm-hmm. and i was just like yeah uh, yeah <laughs> you, you can't do that one i i think if people like like wore the wore the clothes out and like enjoyed that look you can do it but i don't know if you can make it any any crazier than what it already is you know yeah it's interesting that like we brought up we're bringing up this this fashion um topic or, or that Gwen Stefani has spawned into the fashion topic because I've listen, been listening to a, a podcast this week called um, Articles of Interest and the, the season three that they released talks about um, Ivy culture or, or dressing like Ivy which spawned into prep or how like preppy folks dress and like it mm. was, I didn't realize that it, a lot of that culture and style went back to Japan as well like like university look like university like like the the what is it the the gunk the, what is the 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 black jacket that everyone wears called there's that, that one that you see in, you used to see it in like really really old anime all the time like really really old photos of japan back in the day everyone was wearing the same jacket because oh it was like, like the people. like the yankee look like the like the uh what do you call it kind of like uh it, it wasn't like are you talking about like the motorcade kind of stuff or is it it was like the school uniforms that like kids that, that like you you wore until you like graduated university like some people oh, wore like it pretty much from like high school through college and then like once they graduated from college then they would start to wear business suits kind of a thing yeah so like the the button up that goes straight up to like 
Yeah, yeah. The the collar. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I know what you're talking. I don't about know now. the actual word, but I know it starts with like a ga sound. Um, it's probably like Gaku and something. Uh, something like cause... that. Something like that. Um, and then it spawned from there. Like there was a guy who who created. Well, there there's a book that came out. Um, that was like a style guide. It was called Take Ivy. Um, and it was about just all these like American university people from the Ivy Leagues who were like dressing in like button up suits with like slacks or like boater shoes. It's kind of like the stereotypical like Ivy League, like really preppy upper class, upper middle class, like dressing in suits, but not like a complete suit. It's like a, like a business casual kind of thing. And then like, Japan ate that up. And the thing is, like, that was that was staged. People weren't dressing like that in America anymore. But this guy had, like, invested so much into um, creating this kind of, of dress for his company that, like, he forged all of that. Like, he faked that magazine. A lot of those those shoots were staged. And then Japan just like, okay, we'll dress like that now because it's how the rest of the world is dressing. Because this is when Japan was coming back into, like, being in um, – an international player it's after japan like opened back up so they wanted to imitate like what the rest of the world was going to be like because they were trying to become a modern society and then just from there i guess cultural exchange back and forth i'm still working on finishing the um the podcast but very interesting crossover between what we're talking about and what i've been listening to so that's really cool um but yeah gwen stefani not not a good look especially that we're right now just coming kind of off of the the stop Asian hate movement to say something that's kind of like, Gwen, did you not consult with a PR person before this? Yeah. <sighs> not good. No boy, no. So another um, celebrity who's not been behaving well is ezra miller hooray Um, ezra miller as y'all know has been through a lot of stuff recently um they have been accused of kidnapping of firearms of theft of well not accused of firearms but like laying firearms around in, in endangering a child because the child put a bullet in their mouth because it was not being uh, correctly supervised. But uh, there were warrants out for Ezra Miller's arrest. Uh, they pled, they, they took a plea deal. So I think they pled guilty to, um, oh no, they're also, I forgot about the, the Hawaii stories, which is like punching random people in the face. Um, oh Yeah that was and then like there's photos of i don't know if these were faked or staged but like there's photos of like the news like the news talking about him like being a person of interest in these assaults and then the person looks over and ezra miller's just like standing outside the hotel talking to to random folks um so according to uh according to to several stories on the internet um ezra miller has instead of um god damn these pop-ups uh, instead of going to prison, I think for 26 years was it looks like how much um, how much Ezra was supposed to originally go to to court was 26 years. Um, they took a plea deal. It's so they played. They paid six hundred ninety two dollars. Um, they were convicted of trespassing rather than burglary. Um, the rest of the charges against Ezra have been dropped. So I, I I honestly don't know. 
how Ezra Miller's lawyers managed to pull this off. Probably because Ezra Miller is rich and coming into the Flash movie, and there's been so many resources devoted to that. So it's probably just the rich person privilege again. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So they could have gotten 26 years in prison, and they only get a $600 fine-ish? $700. Let's be a little more oh, generous than that. Okay, $700. Like, what? <laughs> that's that's crazy. Like, it, he, he he's been rich, right? Like, get more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like, make sense. It, do, it, it don't make sense. The math sense. doesn't add up. Like, there's people who are still in prison or who've, who've had their lives ruined for just, like, possession of marijuana, which is now legal. And then now Ezra Miller has, has assaulted folks, um, kidnapping charges, burglary, breaking and entering, all of this stuff. Um, and, and instead of actually having anything of consequence, they have to apologize, say that they've been going through some mental health issues, um, pay $700 as a fine, and then do probation for a year. And if you don't get, if you don't do probation, if they, whatever, break their probation or whatever, it's an 89 to 90 day prison sentence. That's it. As opposed to 26 years. That's crazy. I don't understand why Warner Brothers has doubled down so hard on Ezra. Like, he's, they're not that good of an actor. They're just toxicity all over. And I... I think they're probably hoping that just people will go to see the movie just because of how much of a dumpster fire the news around Ezra has been. I think it's they're hoping that like the no publicity is bad publicity kind of thing and people are just going to go to see the shit show. Or they, or they want to see Michael Keaton be Batman again, maybe. Can you imagine, Kevin, like y y you're... The amount of relief that it must be to like able to pay $700 as opposed to going to prison for 26 years like that that's ridiculous it's like that's literally like not even a slap on the wrist it's just like they they looked at the wrist and they called it a day like <laughs> you've it, got a wrist just pretend we slapped you yeah just, just, we'll say that we did but that that didn't mean anything mm -hmm. like that's not fair yeah. it's absolutely not fair at all and I, I get that maybe Ezra was going through some mental health crises at the time, but there's other folks who who have done a lot less and gotten a lot worse, which is just it, it gets it's why people hate the Hollywood elite, and it's why Hollywood a lot of the time gets such a bad rap because people behave badly and no, never have to face their own consequences. It's unfortunate. Um. So moving on, I've got a couple of things left. Um, Wizards of the Coast has been in the news, like in, in smaller circles, but for a lot of people who play Dungeons and Dragons and are fans of Wizards of the Coast games, they're not in the best light. I don't know all of the nitty gritty details behind this because I'm not an active D&D &D player, but I kind of, I, I've, I've read enough to kind of understand it. So initially, um, Wizards of the Coast was changing their their open gaming license they were making changes so that they would um, require i guess more royalties or change who has access to things so for how many years people have been creating um i guess their own expansion patches or their own games or, or whatever that are based upon um wizard of the coast's dungeons and dragons fifth edition 
So with the new um, license that had been leaked and that they were proposing, um, people would no longer have access to it. These games would no longer be like officially recognized unless there was like, um, unless Wizards of the Coast decided to formally recognize certain games. So I, I think that maybe for like streaming or distribution that these gaming companies would lose a lot of um a lot of revenue maybe there would have been issues of like continuing to publish these games because they didn't have the current license so a lot of people were were pushing on wizards of the coast and hasbro who um who owns wizards of the coast to walk this back it they were quiet it didn't look like they wanted to do anything about it and so people decided that they were going to cancel their subscriptions to dnd beyond which is wizards of the coast's dungeons and dragons platform um and it's because of looks like it's because of this um this move to boycott and actively like make Hasbro and Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast lose money that they are actually looking to maybe walk this back. I think that it's still a little too little too late that now um Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro have shown that they have intentions down the line to take away access and make it harder. Um, there's also been reports that there were certain um, game company makers who got like special preferential treatment by Wizards of the Coast that they would have easier time getting licenses. They wouldn't have to pay as many royalties to um, Wizards of the Coast. But at this point, a lot of companies who've seen this have already started moving away from it. They're, they're looking for different platforms to base their games on. They're going to create their own and license their own um, gaming mechanics and make them open license so that people can use them in the future. Um, and yeah, I think at this point, according to Wizards of the Coast or, or someone who's working with them, there's like the, the, the according to them, like in, if you want to delete your profile on D and D beyond, you can't just delete it. You have to make like a ticket and have a staff member do it for you. Apparently there's like five digits, like the, the number of people who are trying to delete their, um, their profiles are in the five digits. So that's a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. And considering how big Wizards of the Coast is and how big Dungeons and Dragons is, it's like you fumbled this so much. Like for for a while, like the, they were the pretty much the only option if you wanted to play a tabletop mechanic dice game or game with like dice mm-hmm. and like that kind of stuff. But now that now that people are seeing what's happening, they're not gonna go back to you really. They're going to maybe stick with games that are more open licensed so they don't have to worry about creating a game that's going to be taken down or getting hit with a cease and desist order because your company's greedy. I don't think enough strange. I don't think even the next season of Stranger Things is going to be enough to save like your public image. I think it's I think it's too late. And according to Gizmodo, like just based on their research and everything and all that they've done and all the people they've talked to, it looks like Hasbro doesn't really care about, um, uh, according to the article, after a fan-led campaign um, led to cancel D&D Beyond, subscriptions went viral, it sent a message to Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro higher-ups. According to multiple sources, these immediate financial consequences were the main thing that forced them to respond. The decision to delay the rollout of the new open gaming license, then adjust the messaging of the rollout, occurred because of a provable impact on the bottom line. And they also think that 
the fans are overreacting to the leak draft and then in a few months no one will remember the uproar so they they honestly don't care about the community they only care about the money it's only the money and the bullying of the fans and like bullying them in the only way that we really can that gets people to uh these companies to pay attention it's like when people like boycotted the sonic movie because he was too ugly but he was oh he absolutely <laughs> was it was horrific that was a nightmare fuel i never would have seen sonic if that's the direction they were going it's interesting for me kevin it's how in spite of how big these companies are it's that like because of social media because of the internet because of a lot of these fan campaigns like We've been able, like, as companies, we've been kind of able to, not companies, as consumers, we've kind of been able to, like, just straight up bully corporations into saying, do what we want or else. It's like we're bullying the nerds all over again, except with Yeah, well, they want our money, so, like, <laughs> it's fair. Bully consumers them. have some power. Like, that that's yeah. the only power we have as the consumers to, like, vote with the dollar. And that's exactly. the only way a lot of these companies will will listen is because their dollar is threatened. That's how it works in capitalism. And then another company that's like not been in the the greatest of lights is Discovery HBO. Um, so this week that they, they released two um, adaptations of other properties. So it Velma came out and the last of us came out the last of us. I haven't seen yet, but I've heard is a fantastic um, interpretation and adaptation of the original game. And it's really good and everyone loves it. It's got amazing ratings so far. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but I'm very, very much excited to do so. And then the other one that came out was um, Velma, which is a Mindy Kaling's, reimagined scooby-doo universe thing kevin what is your experience with scooby-doo uh i i saw the live action films uh those were great those were fun they were fun uh lots of weed jokes um honestly like i i watched scooby-doo growing up uh I, I was not smart enough to know the formula, and to this day, I probably still couldn't. Uh, so I'm just like, okay, I'm just having fun with it at this point. Yeah. I grew up on Scooby-Doo a lot. It's like one of the, the first cartoons that I remember like really loving. So it was, for me, it was Dragon Ball Z, it was Batman, and it was Scooby-Doo. Those were like my three biggest uh, cartoons from when I was growing up. Um and like I've I've seen the animated films. I've heard that um the more recent cartoon adapt no, not the more recent one. There is they did the weird new kind of dumb looking cartoon network one that's a more in like CalArt style, but the one before it, I think it was Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, I've heard was like a very good, like kind of grittier take on what Scooby Doo was. And but like how how most people kind of complain about gritty remakes, I've heard this one was actually very well done and it like actually very well understood the source material and updated it to be more modern i used to love what's new scooby-doo which was like the the early 2000s version of it um but what we got more recently was as i said mindy kaling's interpretation of um the scooby-doo universe from the get-go this had a lot of backlash and negative attention on it a lot of people were mad because mindy was making velma be um a Southeast Asian woman, which like 
I don't care about that. That fine. She's, she's the one writing it. She's voicing Velma. She's the one doing it. That's fine. Then there was the news that she was going to make Velma gay, which like, okay, that's fine. She was supposed to be gay in the, um, the live action movies anyway, but Warner brothers kept changing things until that was eventually like not even in the script anymore. So she's been kind of canonically interpreted as gay by the fan base for several years. So there's no issue there. And then the, the biggest issue I think came when people found out that Scooby-Doo is not actually going to be in this at all. There is no dog. There's no dog. No, there's no Scooby. Scooby's not in this. So, Okay, okay. So so it's it's just about Velma. Pretty much. It's like Velma huh. telling her quote it, it opens with her saying, like, I, I've watched two episodes and it was atrocious. Um it's it's her saying, like, this is my origin story of how like I assembled the greatest mystery solving team ever. So it's like it's her telling how she collected Vel herself, Daphne, um, Shaggy and Fred, except Shaggy's not called Shaggy. He's just called Norville, which is his name, his like actual legal name in, in Scooby-Doo canon, but he's not called Shaggy. He's called Norville. So it's a very strange reinterpretation. I don't think it's very effective. I think largely because it's based on Scooby-Doo, like a lot of the comments that I've seen online. And I agree with is like, it could have been good had you not tied it to Scooby-Doo and not mangled the interpretation so much so like velma doesn't solve doesn't like solving mysteries anymore because her mom went missing and like because just to oversimplify she tried to solve a mystery as a kid which led to her mom like going missing and now she feels guilty that her solving the mystery made her mom go missing um and she has these ptsd episodes where she freezes up um shaggy is a a high school newspaper i think he runs the high school newspaper and he's like not a stoner he's like very actively showing that he's not into to weed culture or to drugs or everything and he's just like getting how to phrase it he's getting like beta cucked i guess <laughs> by and like because because velma's gay and he doesn't realize it and then like she has a crush on fred at the very beginning so i guess she's bi um but <laughs> there's that aspect of it um fred is like this this man baby who he hasn't gone through puberty yet because he's like never had to take care of himself so it's forced his body to like not be um not be mature and he's just this spoiled rich kid or whatever and then daphne is a red-haired asian woman with um two gay cop moms Oh wait, Daphne is Asian. Daphne's Asian. She's voiced by Constance Wu, and she's Asian in the show. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's not good at all. Yeah, I'm very confused now. Let me see if like, I can find yeah, the, I, uh, I, I, I do agree that like if this wasn't tied to Scooby Doo, and like we weren't we weren't all already like we know we know who Scooby Doo and the crew are already. So. Yeah. They've been it, around since it's the hard 70s, to, 60s. Yeah, it's hard to like change that, especially since we know we know the story. We we know what what the crew do. Um, for me, it's yeah. like also 
the adult humor, I, I don't mind adult humor. I think it just tries too hard to lean into its adult humor angle. Like it, it tries to be too self-referential. Like the very first episode, they, they call out like, oh, you know how pilot episodes of shows get um get their audience to be invested by just showing gratuitous nudity and sex that doesn't really show up in the rest of the shows. Like if this was a, if this was a TV show, we would definitely be a pilot right now. And it shows like, it, it literally opens up with Daphne and a bunch of other girls, like in the locker room showering and fighting while they're naked. Um, and then there's, there's a joke where Shaggy's talking about weed and how he's not into it. And Velma's like, you know what you call uh, adults who smoke weed? people who watch cartoons when they're still adults. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, no, like we're, we're watching it right now. Like you, wanna, you want us to turn it off? <laughs> show, right. Like, what are you trying to say? Why are you insulting your audience? And it just, it just tries so hard to, I think it tries to lean into progressive culture too much while also making fun of progressive culture in a way that's not actually funny. That I, I normally am okay with Mindy Kaling. I'm like, she's not my favorite writer or actor or director, but I, I don't have an issue with her. Yeah, like, we don't but have beef, but, like... I don't think that she knew what she was doing with this property. I think she... I think she tried too hard to make it funny without actually making it funny. I'm trying to find the actual, I think, the pitch for it, because... It reads very poorly because I've seen people posting it and like there's there's so many negative reviews right now. I think it only has seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is ugh, it's awful. Okay, so I mean, there's there's so many. I'm back. There's so many um negative reviews online. There's so many articles, listicles of like why it's it's so bad. Um, I'm trying to find where this thing I saw is. I thought i saved it but it was like she wrote the um her pitch of what her concept behind it was and it was just oh here it is here it is here it is here's the um at crystal crove high school daphne constance Wu is a popular mean girl orphan who deals drugs because of a dark family secret her boyfriend fred glenn howerton personifies mediocre white richness his mansion holds a dark secret and he is a tiny widow private and he has tiny widow privates a subject of much conversation. Shaggy has become Norville, Sam Richardson, a school newspaper strive, a school newspaper striver friend zoned by his beloved Velma. He worries he's a beta male. Remember that lame humor concept from 20 years ago? That's what I've seen about it so far. It's, it's really... I don't understand why these... these interpretations can't stick closer to what made people like it while also innovating and it's like it's a it's a conversation i've seen also around uh the lord of the rings the rings of power it's like people were upset because it deviated too much from the source material which i mean i didn't mind the show but also i think it changed a lot of things that should have been left alone it tried too much to like with the limited source material there was for um lord of the rings they they botched including that, I think. It's still an entertaining show. I'm still okay with watching it. I don't hate it as much as, like, other people do. But, I mean, for for me, understanding the the 
disgust that people have of it. I kind of get it now seeing what Mindy Kaling did to Velma. Yeah, it it just feels like the character isn't like they aren't obviously like of the same source material. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's something completely different. It's like I I don't know why we needed this. And it's it makes it even worse that like HBO Max has canceled so many actual properties that people wanted like they canceled the actual animated Scooby-Doo movie that people were very excited to see because the first one Scoob did really well it had a lot of good reviews people actually liked it HBO Max canceled that and they left Velma there they canceled a lot of other good projects but they let this one live which I don't understand was it was it an optics thing for them that they didn't want to cancel the, the project that was created by a woman of color? Is that why they let it go? And I, I just, honestly, I don't understand what the writer's room and this thought they were doing. It's really bad. Don't watch it. I, I tried two episodes of it just to see how bad it was. It was worse than I thought. It's not good. Don't watch it. <laughs> and that's it for me. Kevin, take it away with the, the, the animus and the weeb things. Yeah, let's let's talk about a, another show that doesn't that's still animated and is not for people who are on weed. Uh you, you might you might freak out if you saw this trailer. Uh but um over the weekend, Shueisha and uh Crunchyroll announced that there was a second uh trailer for Hell's Paradise. Um Hell's Paradise is a series that just wrapped up in the spring, I believe. Um it's got 13 volumes. It's it's a very interesting concept um, about 10, like kind of 10 death row inmates who now have to go and retrieve this elixir of immortality for the Shogun. And whoever comes back with the elixir gets an eternal pardon. Um, so all of these, it, it, it's essentially, it's it, it's kind of like uh, Suicide Squad, but but anime. So, like, they can do whatever they want and then just not get in trouble for it if they get this pardon? Kinda. Uh, but they are also, like, they are also accompanied by the executioners of the Shogun. Like, uh-huh. so if you mess up, they will kill you. <laughs> but, yeah, they have a uh, a brand new trailer. It dropped, I believe, uh, on Sunday. It has brand new voice acting in it so now you can actually hear the characters the first one only showed off like the visuals and like what it looked like um mm-hmm. trailer two it actually came out three days ago um so that was uh the one two three friday um the 13th that's fitting um <laughs> but yeah if, if you guys do want to hear the voice actors for hell's paradise it is in the official trailer number two um, and just a heads up once again, uh, it comes out in the spring season of this year. So um, look forward to it kind of approaching into April. Um, I've read books one through three so far. Um, I'm waiting for four through six to come in the mail. I've, I've ordered it already. Um, but I do love the paneling and kind of the story, like world building of it. Um, it it's got a lot of high action, a lot of really cool frames and stuff like that, too. So um big fan of that and uh really looking forward to 
what the show has to offer once we actually get down to it. Uh, but yeah, we will keep you in uh, we'll keep you in the loop as well um, about any other possible trailers that do come out. Uh, once again, the studio behind this is Mappa, which it, currently it feels like Mappa Studios has like so much on their plate, um, especially with Jujutsu Kaisen coming out again, uh, AOT trying to figure out how they want to close out their season. Uh, Hell's Paradise now. Um, I don't know if they they got a whole bunch of like other things that are like in the works. Um, but it is a lot to like think about. There is a ton of stuff that uh that Mappa has to juggle. Um, and we'll see if any of the other studios happen to get like you know the any any bit of the action pretty soon. Um. But yeah, overall, Hell's Paradise. Look, looking forward to it uh, in the spring. Uh, moving on to the manga of the week, my personal thing that you know I do. That way, everybody can uh, stay up to pace of what I'm reading, um, or 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 something that I would recommend. Um, this week, I am recommending Thus Spoke Rohan Kishibe. Um, this is a spinoff show of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, it is a manga and it also has a anime adaptation already. Um, so if you do want to watch four episodes of Thus Spoke Rohan Kishibe, it is on Netflix already. Um, but it talks about a side character in the JoJo's universe who essentially he, he's a mangaka. He, he writes his own manga. Um, he, <laughs> but uh, he has these weird like adventures that he goes on. And obviously, it being from the JoJo's universe, uh, bizarre things will happen. Um, and it just talks about events that he has ran into. So um, uh, originally, this is something that the the artist originally, uh, Araki, was writing about. He was like, I liked him as a villain so much that I feel like once we turned him into like one of the protagonist's friends, I couldn't put the character down like he had to do other things and so uh rohan kishibe just goes around does these very interesting things he does have a stand ability uh which is called heaven's door um which they do explain in the first part of the of the manga if you've never read part four um it, it's just like a quick explanation of what heaven's door does um which is essentially it turns somebody's life into a a book and rohan could read the book and either edit or like fix certain things um and and how certain like characters move or or work um it is a very strong ability but like you could use it to to force somebody to like not see something or they cannot see the color blue right and you could make that into something that that works for them uh so yeah uh Rohan has a crazy ability that can that can edit people's lives, kinda. Um, the most useful one though was when he used it to uh, allow Koichi to speak Italian instantly. So that's that's cool. Uh, but yeah, if Good you just want to know, at restaurants, exactly. You could just like cheat your way through. Uh, but yeah, honestly, it's it's a great. Uh, it's a great little side story. If you know, if you know that you don't want to get into JoJo's, but you kind of want the weird, like storytelling aspect of it, um, 
feel free to to read these they are kind of just these short stories i think they come in like 20 pages a pop um so you can just breeze through one of them real quick um or if you guys just want to watch watch it like the the anime point uh it is on netflix so go ahead and do that um let's see manga yeah yeah okay so uh let's go ahead and move on into the manga releases for this week uh and this upcoming week so this week we had quite a bit um this is something that uh we all have to keep our eyes out for once again oshino ko is going to be the big one that is um the the idol uh it's a it's a very weird concept, but Oshinoko is going to be a big one that a lot of people pick up because it is also getting an anime adaptation pretty soon. Um, Tatsuki Fujimoto's Before Chainsaw Man 17 through 21. Um, that is going to go over some of the short stories that Tatsuki Fujimoto has written before Chainsaw Man was picked up. Um, Beastars 22, which is the ending of the series as from what I heard from people. Um, and PTSD Radio 2. So if you like spooky short stories literally like four or five pages a pop uh ptsd radio is going to be the way to go um, i've been going down to little tokyo every week for jury duty and i keep forgetting to go to the bookstore to look for Okido. ptsd radio yeah it it is kind of a bigger book so right now they have book one uh is is a white book i believe um or like a beige book um ptsd radio 2 is going to be blood red um the thing that i do need to let you guys know about this ptsd radio in japan has gone on hiatus um because the author believes that these things may be happening to them like the the stories that are that they are writing in the in the book they are freaked out about personally Hmm. and are either check themselves into a hospital to like make sure that they're okay or are actually like experiencing these episodes and is just reflecting them in their book, uh, which which is kind of creepy either way. Uh, gives the gives the uh, thing a little bit of a too spook for me kind of vibes. <laughs> oh god, I'm looking at the covers right now. Yeah, they're, they're so creepy, creepy, right? I don't like this. <laughs> the. I oh, I, I like breezed this. through a little bit and I was like, this is oh, oh my goodness. Like I want to read it, but I don't necessarily want to look at the cover every time. So it's like I'd kind of want to read it and borrow it from the library, but not own it. Because it's yeah. so it's kind of disturbing. It, it it do be kind of creepy. Um but yeah, the the first book is the is the beige cover, the next one is the is the red cover. Um and I think the one after that is gonna be the blue cover. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes um but yeah manga releases this week uh were were oshinoko uh tatsuki fujimoto's before chainsaw man uh 17 through 21 Stars 22 and ptsd radio 2 um for next week uh what we're going to be aiming for uh coming up on the 24th will be blue period 12 now uh i i can admit i'm not caught up on blue period um i'm only halfway through the series myself um i enjoyed the ride from one through six so now i just got to sit down and be like okay time to go through seven and uh see see where uh where our boy yaguchi is um blue period if you don't know already is about making art it is a it is a manga about learning about art 
So it's it's pretty informative, but there's also like moments where because it's a manga, it's in black and white, but you want it to be in color. And then they have like a book, like a supplemental art book that has the art in color. So if you if you do want to see what they actually look like, I would just recommend looking it up online. But uh, it is it is nice to kind of like reference back to some of the actual paintings that are in the are in the book. Um, after that, we should have Kaiji number four, which is the omnibus um, of more stories from Kaiji, which is the original gambling uh, manga. Um, we have Beauty and the Feast six, uh, Wave number nine, which is uh, Wave Listen to Me number nine. It is about a uh, a woman who learns how to be on the radio, which is kind of an interesting uh, interesting concept. Um, and last but not least, the, the one that I was a little bit excited for was Shirokuma Cafe, uh, volume one collector's edition. Um, if you just want something super chill, you don't care about plot or anything. Shirokuma Cafe is literally about a polar bear that owns a restaurant and he serves his animal guests. Usually I think it, the penguin is the most common one that shows up, but there's also like other no, Penguin and Panda are the, are the two that show up the most. Um, so yeah, if, if you if you just wanna if you just wanna watch or just read a a manga about a a polar bear who owns a cafe, Hirokuma Cafe will be the one to go for. Other than that, I'm pretty sure that wraps up everything that uh, has come out in the manga releases this week. Um, I'm still going to be uh, playing it a little bit slow. Probably not next week, but the week after, we'll start getting into um some of the shows that are being released this spring in terms of the anime side of things um i i do believe by the third by the three episode rule for for manga or not for manga for for anime um so yeah i will be i will be waiting till the third episode and then doing the three episode rule and letting you guys know what what i like and what i don't like so far um and shows to keep your eyes out for does that mean i have to give velma another episode you don't. If, if if it's bad, like one, you're just like, this is not for me. Like you can, you can Literally shut it off. The first instantly. ten minutes, it's it's too self-referential and how and it's it's really not good. Yeah. So th- that's a difference too. I think uh, there is a show in like in the anime world called Anime Guitaris, where it's about it's an anime about an anime club, and they are self-referential and it is built to be that funny like this is your typical like anime club that you'll run into when you're at school or you know even in japan you'll run into these kinds of clubs um so it's just really funny to for them to be like hey guys we need a we need an important plot point by episode three or else we're not gonna we're we're gonna get canceled (laughs) and they're like yeah very true (laughs) Like what 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 should we do? Should we end on this? It's like, nah, let's just promise a beach episode at episode eight. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's always the beach episodes. There's there's always one episode where they just go someplace and it's it doesn't need to be like a part of the plot or anything. They could just be like usually it's the beach episode for summer animes. Um we've seen other other ones just go someplace and just like have fun. Uh it I don't I don't know what the the plot is. Like I wish I had every eight episodes to go out and do something cool 
Uh, usually I just go out and eat something nice at a restaurant maybe once, but that's about it. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll give you guys my, uh, my overall readings once we actually get into episode threes, which will be, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, probably by the, the end of the month, I'll be able to give you my three episode rule, uh, answers. And then, uh, we'll go ahead and break down what I think is good this season and, and what to watch. I have, I guess, one recommendation that I watched recently. Um, hmm. So the, if you have HBO Max and still haven't gotten rid of it, like I have not because I'm lazy. Um, actually, I, I guess I have two. Um, there's there's two movies on there that are I think are really worth watching, but they're very different. One is The Menu, if you haven't seen it yet. It's... Um, it's like a very dark comedy. It's a it's a critique of like high end eating culture. Like, um, haute cuisine is as I guess is how it's called. It's like the the really prestigious, like very fancy. Like you eat a little bit of a like you eat a tiny little piece of of a thought of something on your plate, and it's supposed to be like high class dining where you don't really like you look at like. You know what I'm I'm talking about, Kevin? Where you like you look at these plates that are are costing like hundreds of dollars, and it's like there's no food on this plate. Yeah, it's got like one pea, but it's like split in half, and then it's like spread on the plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like it's a, it's fancy little like dollop of of sauce that's like made into a swirl, and like that's your that's you're supposed to like lick it off the plate and contemplate what the flavors mean or something. Um, what I think of when I think of that kind of food is if you know who, or if you want to search up Grant Acats, it's A-C-H-A-T-Z. He does a lot of like high concept food, which I think is just looks like a lot of bullshit. Like I, I don't like Grant Acats. I don't understand why people like respect him so much when his food is just kind of stupid. Like it's not something that I feel like you're actually eating. You're just kind of experiencing flavor, which I guess is the concept around it. But it's like if you're paying this much money, give me food. Um, I think it's a very, very good um, critique of of that fine dining culture. It's it's really funny. I think it's well done, well acted. Um, so give that a look if you have HBO Max. And the other is um, the Banshees of Inner Sharon, which I know um, I think Colin uh, Colin Farrell and um, Brendan Gleeson both won at the Golden Globes for their acting in it. It's about two guys who live on this island in the I think it's the 1920s during the middle of the the Irish Civil War. Um, it's these two guys who used to be like best friends, and then one of them just doesn't want to deal with the other anymore because he thinks he's kind of dull. Um, and then the other one won't leave him alone. So it's it's not what I thought it would be. It gets very dark very soon. Like you have to get through like the build up to it to kind of under, like understand what life on this island is like. Like the first maybe 30 minutes is kind of like slow, but it gets better. Like the, the writing is is very dry and witty but that's kind of like british irish humor um give it a shot just because it's it, it's being talked about for a lot of awards and like the performances are pretty good i would turn on subtitles just because the irish accent can be a little bit hard to discern at certain points um and then my sister was laughing because um instead of saying like fucking or fuck or they'll say fuck or fucking they'll say feckin because they're irish with the E in the subtitles. With an E. So, with an E, like Fekin. Because the accent. Is that a Pokemon? That's like Fekin, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they were talking about Pokemon the entire time. Oh, my God. I need to watch this movie. 
um, but yeah, those are those are my recs for the week for films that I've seen. Um, I don't have anything. I saw else. Puss in Boots twice. I want to see Puss in Boots. Go see Puss in Boots. It's great. Like the funny thing is, is Puss in Boots has a higher um, Rotten Tomatoes score than Avatar. I mean, it's that good. Like, in my opinion, like Puss in Boots. I feel like this this year. I'm gonna make a prediction right now. It's like two weeks into. 2023 and i'm gonna make this big prediction but i do think that animated films this year are gonna be like top notch i feel like not only did you know the last wish really open up like what dreamworks has been capable of for like a long time but also being able to go from that into like we have spider-verse lined up we have the elemental thing whatever disney pixar is working on um but like it's gonna be a really tough year for like the the competition in terms of uh in terms of animated films because I think that everybody's really bringing their a game now, but still, I think that in terms of awards, I've lost faith in the 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 motion picture association or yeah. the the film the Oscars because how did Mitchell's versus machines lose to Encanto? that is that's what I'm saying that is unconscionable. Like, yeah, Mitchell's versus the Machines was such a great movie. Uh, that's a, that's another one. If you guys haven't seen it, definitely check it that's out. That's on Netflix. So yeah, like, tell me one thing that Encanto did better than Mitchell's versus the Machines. You can't. You can't do it. It's not possible. They had they had one Mitchell song that was on the, the radio. Did nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with that film. It's fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, there, so there was absolutely nothing wrong with Mitchell's versus the Machines, and. It honestly should have done like it, it should have won. Like hands I know down. we haven't I, we haven't seen Spider Verse yet, but considering Spider Verse won in its year, um, yeah. Based on what you were expecting Spider Verse to be, do you think that Puss in Boots can stand up to it? I think it can, and that's that's the thing that I wouldn't say a lot of like about a lot of films, but I do think that the way how. Puss in Boots is being presented. It's it's not like it, it's a movie that a lot of people will be like, oh, it's a kids movie because it's got like the cat in it, right? It, it's a I it's based off Shrek. Of it's whatever, right? But like when you get into the actual like nitty gritty of like what it is, it's about like an old person coming to terms with mortality, and you're just like, that's deep like i <laughs> you don't expect that from a puss in boots movie but Especially it, that's what it is like very silly it wasn't that deep yeah and this one's like deep like deep deep well i guess i know what i'm doing next weekend then if it's still in theaters it should be i mean it it should just be hanging around for a while all right kevin time for your your closing advice for the week um closing advice for the week uh play super auto pets um it it is still like it's still good it's still a good game it's still like out there doing the rounds uh i've played way too much of the new expansion pack so uh i can at least give you guys a heads up of like what that's like uh trumpets trumpets are pretty good I would say just just take a shot at Super Auto Pets if you if you don't have it, it's fun, uh, and it eats up my time. 
Cool. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in with us this week. Hopefully you uh, you get a chance to watch or look at or experience some of the things we're talking about with the exception of Velma. Please don't give that show any money. Um, it's not good. But thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you next week. Hope you have a great week on Adios. Next week, we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on all social media at TwigPod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D. And feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.